0: We are now live again for episode two, our second annual amazing a year goes by in a week. Our second episode of the Switch Cars podcast, where our celebrity mashup name is SwitchCast. And SwitchCast is where Dave Ramsey meets Click and Clack, minus, uh, you know, uh, public radio funding and about $500 million or whatever Dave Ramsey's net worth is, but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, On SwitchCast, my goal is to never be the smartest guy in the room. Uh, I will have a variety of guests on, all who are likely much smarter than I am. And uh, some you may have heard of, but many are the unknown kind of uh, background automotive experts. Um, The the guys that have a lot more knowledge and a lot more to share than the guys with tattoos and publicists. So uh, each week uh, we're going to look at a different topic and and ask questions and we're all going to learn together. Unless you are talking about Porsche GT cars, cannonballing, or uh, song parodies. And then you're going to be attending the Doug Tabat School of Higher Learning. My producer is signaling me that you want some of my my tequila. You need your phone charger. Wow. Everybody say hi to our producer, Ethan (laughs) Huffnagel. All right. So my guest tonight is Mike... juice Noose Noose. Noose. news Mike news I've known him for years and I still am not sure how to (laughs) pronounce it Uh, of dream car adventures among other things uh, Mike started an exotic car rental company in Cleveland as a side hustle he is uh, he has attended law school he's a statistician uh, risk management Person, very high-level things that you have to have lots of degrees for. Um, I barely have a degree of understanding of what he does. So, <laughs> and he is accompanied by his sidekick Artie. Uh, can we get Artie to say hello, maybe? Stand up, <laughs> maybe. He's lazy. He's yawning. He's a great dane. He's he's lazy. So that's that's okay. Anyway, so um, we have a, a live studio audience here, which is going to be fun. Uh, they have some questions. We have some preloaded questions. I have a lot of questions in my brain about uh, starting an exotic car rental company in Cleveland, where we get eight days of sun a year. <laughs> and um, uh, if you would like to call in uh, and ask your questions live, uh, it, the call in number is two one six. 294 4124. 216 You can also uh, post your questions in the uh, live feed, either on Facebook or YouTube where you're watching it, and we will try to get to them. But uh, we've got a lot of questions lined up. Uh, people want to know about this. So um, tell me a little bit about yourself, about your background, Mike, first before we start.
1: Yeah, so. I mean you kind of hit on it um I was a, a business consultant for many years uh doing statistics and process improvement all kinds of fancy things all over the world um and uh exotic cars is something I've been into for you know since I knew what an exotic car was you know I was one of the guys that had the the kids that had the Lamborghini Diablo poster you know, up in my room, which I think was pretty common in, mm-hmm. in the era. Yep. Um,
0: well, it shows when you're born too, because if you had a Diablo poster or a Countach poster, that that that's dates true.
1: you. That's true. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, uh, but yeah, and I finally made it a made the exotic card gig a reality in uh, 2019. So it took me a little while to get around to it. But as Doug said, I, I it came about time where I said, "Hey, let's do this as a as a side gig." You know, to complement whatever the hell else I was doing. Uh, <laughs> with that's my like, free time.
0: I have to say that is just about everybody's supposed dream, right? Uh, All yes. of my clients with quote unquote normal jobs come in and say, man, I would love to do this in my spare time, which I always find funny and we'll get into a little bit later. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that, I, I think that's everybody's dream, not necessarily to be in the car business full time, but to escape the the doldrums of their uh, business reality with you know flipping exotic cars Excitement, or doing something, yeah, right, right. Little do they know there's the same amount of paperwork and and BS that goes along with it. But um, anyway, so b- before we get into the questions and we have a lot of them, we're gonna do a live uh, studio participation focus group. Uh, so if you guys want to come out here, so we can like sort of hear you, uh, we're having a debate. Uh, last week or this week or something about the name switchcast because it's like okay it's the the switch cars podcast it's the mashup name whatever um but it's not my favorite like it's a little bit confusing cuz it's not switch cars but switchcast it's like you accidentally typed it in wrong on on the <laughs> internet and i i constantly when i'm typing my own website i type in switchcats.com which <laughs> is ironic for many reasons but uh
1: sounds like you gotta register that domain
0: <laughs> yeah probably um Peter already did <laughs> but anyway so we're thinking of okay what is a better name than switchcast uh for this podcast um, and we had some interesting suggestions, and I'll open up the floor too to see if anyone else has good suggestions. But so far, we have <clears throat> get your get your pun hats on. Breaking Bad, like <laughs> car breaks. All right, uh-huh. we're warming up. Podcast and Furious. Oh, that's funny. Podcast <laughs> right. and Furious. Okay. Like it
1: it's, like I, it's good no, enough it that didn't. someone I probably I came has up it. with that. <laughs>
0: At like 11 a.m. this morning, that I did not find that on the internet. That was from my head. My podcast is bed, best podcast. <laughs> uh, keep your podcast, but switch cars. Which I pre- appreciate the reference to our awesome shirt. Uh, I know what I got. Lead shoe diaries, uh, reasonable and prudent. Carpe deum. <laughs> podcars, head over wheels, motor of fact, Daz Bootcast, that's my other <laughs> nickname besides the Mexican Stig, um, clutch to do about nothing oh. Anybody have any suggestions or strong votes? Come on. I know there's some dads in here. Yeah, at that, least two, three.
1: The clutch to do about nothing kind of grabbed me at the end. <laughs> I gotta admit,
0: it it grabbed you. The clutch, yeah, it it
1: did. It grabbed.
0: Uh, It's Uh, better than slipping by you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And it grabbed me so hard, I forget which the other one that I liked.
0: Mm. Anyone, let's have a gas with this. Come on, are you guys? They're all giving me blank stares. What's that? Sick whips. Sick whips. Just throwing it out there. Sick whips. Just throwing it out there (laughs) like a baseball. Oh. (laughs) Whippets? Whippets. Sick Whippets?
1: (laughs) I Know What I Got. That that was the other one that kind of resonated with me.
0: Sick (laughs) Whipcast? I liked I Know What I Got. I liked I Know What I Got. Bailey likes I Know What I Got. Doug's World. Doug's World. (laughs) E-Doug's World. Does anybody remember E-Bombs World? Oh, yeah. Like before the internet? Yep. E-Bombs and Newgrounds every day after school. Yeah, yeah. Doug's world? No, it's not going to be Doug's the world. Uh, in the furious one. the, the podcast that? and Furious? It's got strong car vibes. Yeah, yeah, strong dad joke vibes too. Yeah, yeah, Hell yeah. really strong you dad. You You have to have a section like at the end of the podcast where you just talk about something you're furious about. <laughs> like, oh you know, yes, okay. So Dan says if we use podcast and Furious, we have to have a section at the end of the podcast. Something that we're furious about, which we kind of do. We have the props and flops. I don't know if I'm furious about the flops, but I don't, I don't know that we've ever they, known Doug to be extremely opinionated about anything. Sean says, I've never been extremely opinionated about anything. I've never known Sean to tell a lie or be sarcastic either. <laughs> All right. So is that it? Does anybody have any any other good ones? Apparently, they've been hitting the sauce too much already, or maybe not enough. Maybe we should come back to this at the end after you guys drink some of that bourbon. I
1: think it's a good idea.
0: All right. Go go vote on your your favorites. I know mine. Talk about it and then come back. We're going to talk to Mike in the meantime. Okay. So there you go. If anyone out there has any good suggestions, throw them in the comment flow. Ethan will will let me know um, if we got anything. So, again, call in. 216-294-4124 216-294-4124 uh, ask your questions um, online or we'll just go with the ones we have because there are plenty plenty so the first one we're gonna start with I feel like we're, we're yeah we'll, we'll just go with this one um, I posted a photo it was a screenshot from a dash cam of a cop who Pulled the Lamborghini over <laughs> yes, for doing 131 miles an hour. And of course it had a switch car's plate frame on it. So people sent it to me thinking it was me. <laughs> I don't know why I drive the speed limit everywhere, but, um, that was your car.
1: Yes, it was. It, it,
0: the news article said that the, the guy, when he got pulled over, told the cop he was showing off for his passenger.
1: That is accurate. I verified that with him actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, that whole thing was actually a kind of an amusing story. Um, so the first I heard about it too, was people were saying to me, Hey, Hey, your, your car's in the news, right? So (laughs) I pull it up. (laughs) Wait,
0: wait. So when people said this, had, had the car been returned at that point? No, no. Oh,
1: so so the, fir- the first I hear about this is, hey, your car's in the news, and of course, the first thing I think of is, crap, I've got a total Lamborghini.
0: <laughs> that has never happened in the world of exotic oh, yeah, car not rentals, at all, right? Never.
1: And so when I saw it, I was like, oh, okay, he just got caught doing 131 miles an hour on the highway. You know, smart guy.
0: So they towed the Lamborghini, or did was he able no, to drive no. it home? No, he,
1: uh, he was able to. To get it back, it was turned. I don't know how he got it back. I don't know if he was the one that drove it, but we got the car back, and the car actually had no damage to it. So you know, it was, that was a good story, right? You know, I was like, "Hey, good return there." Um, interestingly enough, like as soon as I saw this, I, first thing I did is I pulled up the GPS, you know, to see <laughs> what exactly was going on. Here. Of course. Um, and it turns out, according to the GPS, he was not going anywhere near 131 miles an hour.
0: On Um, the high side or low side?
1: On the low side, actually. Um, And uh, in in calling him and talking to him amongst advising he get counsel um, (laughs) is a very important (laughs) thing. I actually did send him all of the GPS data to support his case. that While he was exceeding the speed limit, uh, he was not in fact going what they were claiming he was going. and so hopefully that helped him out because he never did call me. And I don't know if that's because he was car- incarcerated <laughs> or he
0: just. <laughs> <laughs> because he, I mean, it is Newberg Heights. And if you're from around here, you know, Newberg Heights loves to write people up for speeding in very, very sneaky ways. They'll stand on a bridge with a camera and just, oh, it's, it's nasty and dirty. And I got a ticket there. I don't know how I was going 82, but.
1: It's the kind of thing that makes you better. angry for like, months afterward and you're just like yeah. I-, I hate this area
0: now. Yeah and I even gave the guy like one of my police you know FOP cards things or whatever but apparently it was the wrong one you know it was a PBA card instead of an FOP oh. card and after he comes back with my ticket I, he said oh you had an FOP card I didn't know that I'm like I, what's the difference yeah I got a whole deck which one do you want but <laughs> That's, you know, white privilege, I guess, is complaining that I can't get out of speeding tickets. So that's what somebody will say anyway. Um, uh, Our first question kind of along that line um, is from Spurge, Spurge online, Spurge. How hard has it been to get insurance and what theft prevention measures do you put in the car to ensure you get it back? And if you don't want to answer that second one, because that's (laughs) like your secret and some mobsters might be listening to this, that's fine. But uh, No, no, we'll
1: talk about that a little bit because, I mean, it's a very good question. And the fact that you're asking uh, Spurge Online, he's got his head in the right place, he, she. So how hard is it to get insurance? Very. Unsurprisingly, uh, most insurance carriers look at you and say, you're renting what? To who? And they say, "Uh, no thanks, not us. So from my understanding, there are actually very few, and by few, I mean like less than four insurance companies that will even write this book of business. And it took me probably the better part of a month hunting person to person who knows a person who does this and this insurance broker to find a company that was one of these four companies. Uh, apparently, this was not the case 10 years ago or so, but in the last 10 years, a lot of uh, companies have just exited this part of the business. After they uh, got
0: claims for Lamborghinis yeah. being shipped overseas.
1: For, yeah, from, from my experience or from my understanding talking Every to them, week. it was um, Florida. Florida. <laughs> Florida caused them to exit the, the market <laughs> um, so it, I mean it, it is you You really have to do digging to um, to find a, a carrier sure. uh, and and that's just to find someone who will even entertain the policy let alone like now you have to talk about prices and right. things like that so right. I mean that is, that is a big reality of before you even start looking at cars or, or you know getting if you have this idea in your head which you know We'll probably talk about later about how good of an idea that is, but, um, you know, insurance is rough, you know, and, uh, and I can definitely tell you, read your policy. If you think you can get away with just like, oh, I'll just put this on my Geico policy. And then, you know, no one, yeah, they will absolutely know. Well, I mean,
0: they even have exclusions for like delivering pizza and stuff like that. I mean, a lot of people do things like, um, uh, Uber and, and you know, Papa John's and all sorts of stuff like that. And they never tell their insurance company they're doing that. And that's not a good idea because there's, you know, that's why your policy is like 18 pages and why they deliver it electronically now.
1: So yeah, absolutely. So, you know, in the, in the vein of searching for insurance, do not try and get one over your insurance company because it will only go poorly for you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I will tell you that right now. Um,
0: I accidentally got one over on an insurance company one time and they paid the claim, but promptly dropped me. But I I think it was because my agent like misrepresented to the company, what they were covering. So like, it wasn't on me,
1: but it,
0: you know, they were really ticked about having to pay for damage on a GT three and, but they paid it.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, and kind of on that vein, if you're not so savvy on this, I can tell you as a law-educated person, uh, get get a get a counsel. <laughs> if you're unsure about your policy and whether it will or won't, ask that question before you have a loss. Right. Um, you know that get right. that get that all settled because you right. don't want to be stuck on the other end. Right. As far as anti theft. And, and I mean,
0: then what? And probably in addition to that, blanket coverage, as well. You know, personal umbrella oh, policy yeah. things like that, because if something awful happens. To a car that's registered in your name, even if somebody else is driving it, you could yeah. possibly so, be held liable.
1: So I, I, t- I talk about insurance and risk management in this in kind of two veins. One is covering the car, mm-hmm. right, and then the other vein is covering you and, and the business and the liability side of stuff. And if we just talk about covering the car, then insurance is is the fallback, right? That's if everything goes wrong, right? You know, we have insurance. Um, as far as theft, the mechanism. So the kind of industry standard for this, and I can talk about it because you can find it anywhere on, online, is you, you're you going to do a GPS tracker, but you're going to do more than one, right? Mm-hmm. And so one you're going to have that, that's fairly easy access for you to get to and do stuff with. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of, <laughs> what I've found is that um, the... High quality GPS trackers that have nice interfaces, you know, user interfaces on their mm-hmm. website or their apps and stuff like that are generally the ones that are the easiest to find <laughs> and disable if you wanted to. But you're going to probably want to get one of those because they're pretty good. And then you're going to have another one that you're going to hide somewhere in the car. And if at all possible, you're, you're going to get a model that can disable the ignition uh, sure. in, in some capacity so that if things do go haywire and someone's going bad, you can take advantage of that and utilize your second tracker in and in a cutoff switch of some sort.
0: Now, I remember you telling me about this because you said if a car is stolen, it cannot be reported as stolen until they disable the GPS, right? Because technically they're still under Correct. the rental contract.
1: Yes. And so that, that's actually an interesting thing because when you effectively rent the car out to someone, they have... Uh, possession of that car until the end of the term of the rental. Okay. And and theoretically they can extend that because you, you leave that open in the contract. So um, you put particular terms in the contract that say, you know, you can't go certain places. You can't do certain things. But at the end of the day, they still have possession and the contract says, you know, you'll have penalties or we can do stuff like that. But if you call the police and say, Hey, this guy's like hightailing it to California in our rental car. (laughs) um, They're going to tell you, well, he rented it so right. until he doesn't bring it back um you he, he's renting it you know and you can charge him the mileage or whatever it is but he, you know it's still his his possession if they take a deliberate step like disabling gps then that gives you the out because now they're taking an an actual step towards stealing the car they have mm-hmm. now kind of exited the the whole rental arrangement but um you know it, it's it's something where if you have somebody running kind of riding roughshod in your car um and the authorities really can't and won't do anything because they they technically have possession of the car
0: sure you know? yeah yeah, they have legal ownership of it for the moment. Yeah. yeah, yeah, okay all right um so backing up a little bit, you said you are in risk management yes, I have been <laughs> I have been have been the entire exotic car rental business is risk yeah, management so I, I I find that funny because you came to me originally. Uh, to essentially consult slash find cars for you, uh, for the rental business. Yep. And I looked at you and said, you're in risk management. You should know that this is a terrible idea. Absolutely. And you said, I don't care. Pretty much. (laughs) Find me some cars. (laughs) And so I pretty much gave him a disclaimer. I said, great. Um, So I've already told you this is a terrible idea. Uh, You've probably watched all of Rob Freddy's and Ed Bullion's stuff about why this is also a terrible idea. And you'll probably get a car stolen and or wrecked. And, you know, I'm not going to consult for the business end of things. I already told you it's a terrible idea. Um, I don't want you blaming me when it uh, comes to fruition that this was a terrible idea. But I'll happy, I'll be happy to sell you some cars. Yes, like any good car salesman, I'll gladly sell you some cars.
1: Yeah, but it's bear at that it is a it is a terrible idea. Yes, <laughs> I can tell you from being in the business, it's, and I'm
0: pretty sure Rob will tell you it's a terrible idea. Like everyone it's, tells you, it's, it's what terrible. everybody in the high end car business, in some facet, tells anybody that one of the most uh, uh, frequently asked questions I get is how do I get into this business? And I just answered don't because it is a terrible idea. But if you make it through all of the roadblocks, then I guess you're destined to be in the car business and that is your fate. So, um, but uh, yeah, I, I don't advise anyone get into any aspect of the exotic car business, but some people do anyway. And, and um, some people do it quite well. Yeah. Yeah. Present company not included. But. <laughs> um, okay, so we're talking about risk management. We're talking about disabling GPS. There is a Bentley. I found you. Actually, this was it was a beautiful, beautiful Bentley. Right. Usually, when really when I'm sourcing cars for a rental car company, I'm trying to find cars that are kind of rough around the edges. Um, I want them to be reliable and good cars. I don't want bent cars, but we don't need to worry so much about sticky buttons or a little bit of paint work or, or things like that. Um, and instead, I found the cleanest, most beautifully specced Bentley GTC Mulliner package with low mileage, but it was a great deal, yeah. and you picked it up. And the, the dealer who sold it to me, I told him I was going into a rental fleet and they're just like oh come on I, they, they wanted it back you know they wanted to protect its its destiny but anyway so it went into the rental fleet uh, tell us what happened from there
1: yeah I missed that car <laughs> I gotta say that was a really good car
0: somebody in Croatia doesn't
1: <laughs> yeah yeah someone in, yeah someone <laughs> exactly my car is cruising around Crimea now um, <laughs> so' <Crime-ia>. what, yeah <laughs> so what So what happened with the Bentley? All right. So I think it's kind of a a rule when you get into this space. And I don't even think it's unique to exotic rentals. I think it's just if you're renting people things, right, uh, some people are going to walk away with them or drive away with them, (laughs) as it might be. And so uh, this was in February. I want to say it was like a week before Valentine's Day. And we got a booking um, uh, for the Bentley um, for a weekend uh, out of Cleveland, you know, Mm -hmm. out of the, out of the Ritz up there, which is not uncommon. We get a lot of stuff out of there. People have flown into town. They're there. They want a nice ride. So, you know, we hook them up. And so this came through, it was out of state, you know, traveling obviously. And so when things come up out of state, we usually do quite a bit more legwork uh, to check things. You know, we get pictures of the driver's license. We do a little background check, you know, BMV check, you know, do a lot of stuff like that to, to figure out what's going on um and so in hindsight, this is all great, you right but but everything actually checked out right, so everything was fine,
0: it always does
1: yeah and and I have to say, because you know I think you all know the end of this story is the Bentley walked away but um <laughs> <laughs> going into this, you know, cause I even consulted with a couple other people. Cause anytime you have an out of state and it's just kind of odd, you're like, yeah, I just want someone else to look at this. Right. And so I have some friends in law enforcement. I'm just like, Hey, check this out. You know, what, what do you think about this? Uh, and all of them were like, yeah, it looks legit. Right. You know, um, <laughs> all so, of them
0: were like, we told you not to get into this business a year ago. So you're on your own. Yeah. Now. Yeah.
1: That, that's also true. Right. Um, so you know, we we went forward with it. We always check the ID physically, you know, make sure that it's, you know, it's good looking, it's legit. Everything was was good uh, about this. I still didn't feel quite right about it, though. So, you know, after we dropped off the car, I have to admit that I did stalk for a little while. Um, <laughs> but ultimately, I decided things were okay. You know, they gave to the family. You Valle, found out that
0: Creed it. Bratton had made the identification? What's that? You found out that Creed Bratton had made the identification for the guy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's an office joke for...
1: um yeah it was it was very high quality um so you know we got that um so i said okay you know they they valeted it, they went in and i was like okay this seems legit and i went home right um you know the next day i pull up the gps and it's still parked in the parking garage i'm like yeah all right cool right you know that that's kind of normal the day after we're like it hasn't left that parking garage i'm not feeling so great about this right you know so you try and get a hold of the renter uh and he was like, hey, yeah, yeah, you know, this and that, you know, things are going on. And it's like, ah, all right, man, just, just checking, you know. I'm remember just watching
0: this... TV all weekend.
1: Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, you know.
0: Posting on the forums that I have a Bentley.
1: <laughs> um, and, of course, after, after this, it's, it goes radio silence when it's time to pick up the car. And, you know, then we go to look at it for it. And it's like, huh, you know, the GPS never left that. And we look at the, the back out, the hidden GPS, right, the special GPS. That never left the parking garage either. Hmm. And so the, the hypothesis is, well, one, um, what I know afterwards is I managed to get, cause of course who's going to catch him is the toll booths, right? right. I, got, I got the bill <laughs> for, for him going down the toll booth oh, down 76 to, um,
0: so, so a month later you get a bill from the yes, state of Pennsylvania Mike. informing them where your car yes, was exactly. And that yeah. they want money insult to injury. Uh huh.
1: Um, and by the way, they don't care that it was stolen. They just want the money. Um, so uh, so what the authorities, and, and we kind of have surmised from this, is this is a car theft ring out of uh, Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And they obviously knew well enough they're doing to have really high-quality forgeries for mm-hmm. their IDs, um, credit cards. Uh, everything was set up beautifully. And they knew well enough to actually dig around under the dash to find uh the hidden GPS, um, which you don't generally account for because you have right. to like disassemble the dash to get right. to it.
0: That's why it was in the parking garage so long.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, so well well thought of, right? Um and the same group I found out later, uh getting some some contact from Rob Ferretti was trying to work their way in New York too. Hmm. Uh and, and get some cars there. And luckily they were able to stop that and grab grab the cars from the people before they can make off with them. Not so much on my part. Right. Um,
0: but I feel like there needs to be like a, a a public insurance fund or something that you all pay into that's not insurance, but that, you know, they're going to get stolen and probably by the same groups and you all like pay into it and share the expense and, and also help like catch these guys or something. Cause yeah, well, you probably are better better suited to it than a inefficient bureaucracy of...
1: Yeah. Don't. Yeah. Of, uh, let me just say how. Yes. Uh, let me do a shout out to the Cleveland Police. Great job at being absolutely worthless uh, throughout the entirety of this of this endeavor. Um,
0: <laughs> no. uh, in fairness, they probably realized that there was nothing they could do.
1: Yes, and that is totally fair. Like, you know, what are they going to do? You know, they can't. Um, the guy's yes. gone, long gone. Uh, by that part, by that point. But amongst the the rental car companies, we do kind of have a naughty list. You know, uh, that we can check right. against to say, hey, these are, you know, names and, and individuals who have tried to pass one over. Mm. And there have been, like, the Bentley's the one that was really good, right? And they got away. But we yeah. have found a couple other ones we're like, nah, we're, sorry. Right.
0: <laughs> right. Um- <laughs> I feel like we're, we're on one side of the table where you have everybody saying, how do I get into the exotic car rental business? And there's a bunch of people doing it really poorly and screwing up. And on the other side of the table, there's, you know, on the dark web or whatever it is, there's people saying, how do I get into the exotic car rental thief business? Yes. And there's a bunch of people doing it poorly. And those are the ones you catch. I, I don't know. Maybe not. But that just came into my head. But um, OK, so the question is, did you file an insurance claim for that?
1: And that that is the big decision. And in fact, I did because it was an you expensive did. Bentley. Okay, right. And when you get into this, you realize. I think everyone knows you file a claim on your insurance, rates go up. Sure. And you have the risk of being canceled. Sure. Right. And so you kind of go into this, at least this this space, knowing that pretty much anything short of a total loss, you're not going to file a claim. Right. 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 Um, and you can actually do the math as I, as I worked out when it came to premiums and things like that, like what the threshold is, where it's actually worth it to file mm-hmm. a claim. And so uh, we did file the claim for the Bentley and um, that worked out. And I feel like I got my money's worth out they of paid that insurance it, policy. And right? they didn't drop you. Uh, no, and they didn't. Uh, they they decided to take revenge through my wallet instead. Sure. But um, how you know, much?
0: Okay, so uh, your policy is astronomical anyway. Percentage wise, how much did it change after that?
1: Uh, it it went up by about fifty percent. Okay. Which yeah. you'd think, hey, that's not bad, but that that was well, no, I, it's <laughs> when the fifty percent is is in the tens of thousands <laughs> yeah. for the year, it's uh yeah you know it it, it, it hurts right. It hurts right. a little bit,
0: but... So just do Turo, right? Oh, God. <laughs> so, and I find that interesting because, and I think you said the Bentley had gotten dinged up a few times as well, and I would have thought the Bentley is a safe rental, right? That the Lamborghini has all the power, and that would be the car that got wrecked, but the Bentley was the one, you still have the Lambo, that's been in your fleet two, two entire years, years? Yeah. And the Bentley was the one that um, yeah. that, that was... Struggling.
1: And and that's what I would have thought, too. And I can tell you, having been in this, the the Bentley was actually the worst return, not even (laughs) counting the the theft. Um, People were terrible driving, and it was kind of big. But the Lamborghini actually has, like, never gotten damaged. The Lamborghini has been like the star player. You'd think all of the people who just I wanted mean, d- to be. Damage
0: a, is a relative term with rentals here. I've driven that yeah. car. There's trim pieces falling off and all that. But yes, yeah, you yes, know, your point you know, remains.
1: The wrap the maybe took a little bit of beating, <laughs> but, but it didn't have the typical things. Like uh, pretty much every other car, probably the Corvette being the most notorious with how low it was. Oh to gosh. the ground. I, I made real good friends with the body shop. <laughs> we were frequent flyers. Just getting touch-ups. Uh, you know, and that's not stuff you file insurance claims on that's just stuff you build into your pricing model
0: well, I, We all know that Corvette guys can't drive. I mean they they have thick bifocals. Boy, so. is that true Stereotyping um, Yeah, and speaking of Corvettes actually um, so back to the thing about uh, You know rental car companies getting mediocre cars some of you may have seen the video uh, I think it was a strange world of used Corvette sales on uh Vin wiki where i made fun of every single corvette stereotype possible even though i own <clears throat> a couple um but uh i had procured a corvette uh for his rental car company and it was so bad that i couldn't even in good conscience sell it to him to rent um, there was drywall screws holding the rear spoiler on, there was fiberglass damage all over and, um, we ended up returning it. I put some pressure on the guy and he wired the money back the same day cause he knew he had deliberately tried to pull one over on me and I wasn't the sucker that wasn't going to notice any of those things. So, uh, we ended up getting you a Z06 instead.
1: Z07. Z- uh,
0: Z06, yeah. Z07. Very yes. special. Yeah. Um, i going to
1: make up it. Mark Corvette some, is best yeah.
0: Corvette. It was the first Z06, Z07 with a Z08 package and but, the z Z9 seats, and, and
1: some really weird eyeball paint.
0: Oh, yes. That's you a little m- uh, <laughs> dragon eyes on the rear end or something. But, yeah, thankfully, it's airbrush. So, anyway, that one... Um, that one uh, served you well, uh, rented for about a year, and then you sold it for, I think, more than you paid for it. Yeah,
1: that one yeah. actually worked out really that well. That
0: never happens, but thanks, COVID, to the market. So uh, we're going to pause for a brief commercial break here. We got a lot of material here, but um, we want to thank BoxCast uh, for providing the stream for our um, for SwitchCast. Uh, BoxCast is a live stream comp I'm going to start over. Here we go, BoxCast. BoxCast is a live streaming company based in Cleveland, Ohio, and they serve broadcasters and viewers in more than 200 countries. Their founders launched BoxCast back in 2013 with one purpose, to make people part of the experience. So if you're looking to live stream your podcast, your church service, your car show, your sporting event, your wedding or even your cannonball attempt, BoxCast is an easy, flexible live streaming platform for organizations. So if you love what you see here, it's thanks to BoxCast. If you don't, you're having issues, uh, it's either my producer's fault or YouTube's or your connection. User error. Head over to switchcars.com slash boxcast for a free trial. switchcars.com slash boxcast for a free trial. So getting back to uh the Z06 i think it, it, when you had bought that car you had a guy who wanted to drive it across the country for a corvette gathering yes did that happen no
1: <laughs> okay next <laughs> no, question
0: <laughs> uh how does specialty w- we mentioned turo how does specialty car rental work in this new age of turo and on demand kind of peer to peer owner to owner er, rental
1: you know, it's, it's funny you mentioned, cause I think just a few days ago, Rob Ferretti put up a video about the economics of Turo,
0: mm-hmm. um, which and, I didn't watch or I wouldn't have asked that question, <laughs> <laughs> but
1: no, it, it's, it's a real valid question because people look at it and they say, Hey, Turo, you know, I can, I can do this kind of stuff. Um, Turo has this platform. If you want to rent out your 95 Honda Civic on the weekends to, to people who desperately need a car for 35 bucks a day, Turo actually not so bad. Right,
0: you say that, but I tried putting Seascape on Toro, and they rejected it. Really? Yes. So I they even they have standards. Man. Anyway.
1: You know, I wouldn't have thought that seeing what else is up there. <laughs> yeah,
0: I think I tried to put on Uber too, but anyway. Um.
1: So yeah, so Toro, you know the the basic model of Toro is you know we will rent your car, you know we've got insurance, and you just basically you know. Take it where it needs to be, hand it off, take some pictures, get it back, and then you get a check, you know, or direct deposit. Um, and it's like, oh, this is great because now we have peer-to-peer car rental. You don't have to be, you know, uh, hostage to Enterprise or, you know, whatever other carrier you need. And um, so, of course, people are like, hey, hey, I could put exotic cars on there, right? You know, why, why have my own infrastructure and pay for my own insurance? You know, sure. Can put stuff up on, on, on Toro. And I feel like these are the exact people that don't read the fine print <laughs> in a lot of things. Um, Toro is not a viable platform for exotic car rentals for a number of factors, a lot of which you know Rob talked about, but I'll talk about another one. Um, uh, Toro's insurance caps out. And the last that I had talked to them about it, it caps out about 85 grand. Okay. So, and that means that if you put a... car on Toro and somebody wrecks it, steals it. Otherwise you get in check for 85 grand (laughs)
0: Mm. and your insurance company is definitely not picking up the rest. So how do you, um, how do you compete? Right? So I've looked on Toro. It seems like Toro is really good for the renter, not the rent. No, the rentee, the the person renting the car. Mm Mm-hmm there's great deals on there and they tend to kind of protect the person renting the car versus the person who owns the car. Yes. Yeah, so but we, How do you compete against that? Cause some people just lease a car and they're like, Oh man, if I can make my lease payment back by renting it a couple yes. times, then great. And so
1: some people are very aggressive about losing money on Toro. Um, <laughs> And, and it is a question, right? How do we, cause I, cause we get calls and we say, Hey, you know, why are you charging that? I can, I can rent this on Toro for, you know, $300. I can rent a Lamborghini on Toro for $350. And our response is usually cool, bro. Do it. Um, because one, you can't do that in Cleveland.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that is one, um, one, uh, advantage. Yeah.
1: But the other thing is, you know, as a, as a rentee, as someone who wants to rent a car, Turo is actually pretty pretty cool. You can actually find yourself some pretty neat rides um, for for a decent amount, and it does protect you pretty well. Uh, when you're getting into the exotic space, um, when you rent from uh, a what I what I'd call a legit exotic rental company like mm-hmm. Dream Cars or um, you know Gotham Dream Cars, you know wherever you want to go from there, you're getting a certain amount of service with that, and part of that service is you know the car is good. Right, you know it's well and well maintained. You know that it's a good quality example of whatever it is. Um, you're getting door-to-door service. Uh, you're getting support through all of this. Y- you don't have any guarantee of that on Toriel. Sure. Right. And um, just like when you're looking at a Lamborghini and you say, "Oh, there's a Lamborghini on Craigslist for thirty-five thousand dollars," right? You know, um, when you see a Lamborghini on Toro for three hundred and fifty dollars, you should be asking yourself the same questions about why. Right. right? Yeah. Yeah. This is good. Yeah. You know, what's going on with this? Um, And what I have found is is anyone who's ever called us and said, hey, you know, I can get a better deal on Toro. Um, and I've said, well, then I, I suggest you pursue that because, right. you know, we offer a higher quality uh, service here and a better product. Um, they end up booking with us.
0: Yeah. And well, and you and I discuss that a bit, too, because we were discussing what types of cars to have here that wouldn't have direct competition on Turo. We're not doing Porsche Caymans and Maseratis and stuff like that. You were trying to find, you know, a, a, a better niche um, there. So um, so th- this question is in from Hans Free. Have you ever tried renting exotics to German philosophers?
1: Mm.
0: You, you know, know I do think it'd be a really tough business, actually. It's a real niche market. <laughs> oh,
1: god, I led right into it.
0: Yes, all right. So, uh, we have a, a call now. We have Ben Dover from Mayfield, he must go into car dealerships a lot. Um, <clears throat> Nobody got that. Okay. Uh, It wants to know the best exotic car to start a rental company with. Uh, The one that's in your garage, I guess. Hi, Ben. How's it going? Wonderful. Wonderful.
1: Yeah. My question was, like, I've been into exotic cars. Like, I know the cheap ones to get into are, like, the
0: 360s or the Gallardo. But what would be the best exotic car to get to start up a rental car business, an exotic rental car business? Man, cheap is a relative term now. Yeah, yeah that's true. six 360s and Gallardos are not cheap anymore. Mike, what's the best one to start with?
1: Well, I think there's truth in, in what you said off the cuff of which one you have in your garage, um, because you own it already. Uh, if you're actually going out to get one, and this is kind of like, I'm going out specifically to buy a car, I have to say the Ferrari California. And it was actually Doug that gave me this advice early on. I have
0: good advice every now and then. And (laughs) when he
1: first told me, because I was, I was thinking the exact same cars that you were pulling up, you know, like 430, 360, you know, Gallardo. Um, And Doug, (laughs) uh, Doug said, what about a Ferrari California? And I said, what about it? Like, really? And uh, I went with it. And it was the best uh-huh. decision I made to to follow him. The, the Ferrari California is absolutely a rental favorite. Um, the convertible, people love. Um, you know, being like a, a really exotic enthusiast, I'm like, well, people might not like that because right. it's not like, you know, the, the race car kind right. of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what yeah. I found was is that the people it's, who...
0: It's like the Porsche Boxster of ferraris a little bit yeah i say that looking over at one now but yeah
1: (laughs) but but really the people who are going to call you and 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 drop three grand to to rent a car for for a couple of days they want the ferrari california sure and it it fits their needs perfectly it's got like the two plus two so i mean i guess you could smash kids or midgets in the back uh or or luggage but actually has a decent trunk too i mean it's a real good gt car yeah and uh you know when people call up and, and they say you know i was i was surprised by how popular it was
0: and so if and I then was just, we sold it for you <laughs> yeah i know i regret that actually <laughs> dumb. Uh, <laughs> dumb decision dumb decision but well we were planning on replacing it with other cars and this uh this market uh man it it changed on all of us so that that was a tough one to to kind of predict um thank you ben for the question that was um that was uh good um yeah that's we mike and i discussed earlier in the year kind of shuffling up the collection and so we sold the z06 for profit we sold the california for what we thought was a good number and then the market went insane uh we kept the gallardo because i'm like well i don't want you to be without cars i don't know where this market is going to land um and i did end up uh lining up a, a 911 for him as well he'd always wanted a 911 uh Partly due to my influence, but uh, they're just good cars. So, um, so he's got two cars now and we've been searching for a number of cars, uh, to add to the fleet, but, um, it's as everybody knows right now, it is really, really tough out there for, um, uh, for buying cars. So, uh, we have a question online from org underscore soapbox. Is there a significant market for luxury car rentals in Cleveland? (laughs) <laughs> no.
1: It depends what you mean by significance, right? <laughs> you know, if you want to come in and compete, then, uh, you know, be my guest. <laughs> there's, not, <laughs> there's not a whole lot going on. Um, so, so is there a significant market? It, it depends uh, how you want to phrase that. Uh, I, I did a bit of research to see what kind of activity people were looking for, uh, what the history had been in the area. And I made the educated guess that there was. And it turns out there is, um, there, there is enough of a market for it, uh, to sustain, but I will tell you, it I, is I, a
0: real, it's a deep and rich car community. Yeah, no, it really is. Um, and, it's just not viewed as that by outsiders, I guess.
1: Right. And, and I think if anyone who has experience really owning exotics can actually see the appeal of renting exotics or, <laughs> or luxury cars, <laughs> yeah. um, now, now I'm keying in on the fact that you specifically asked about luxury cars, right? And here's my take on that, my two cents. Whether you want it or not, I'm going to give it to you. Um, I view luxury rentals as slightly different than exotic rentals, right? You know, I do have people that call up that they really want luxury rides. They're looking mm-hmm. for Rolls Royce. They're looking for Bentleys. They want G-Wagons. Everyone loves G-Wagons. Oh, my gosh. Right? I don't know why, but everyone loves G-Wagons, right? They're terrible to drive. And And what I have to tell you from my experience is they are the worst customers (laughs) (laughs) to deal with. (laughs) And I, and I mean that legitimately, like I made the decision a while ago, actually after the Bentley and not just because of the Bentley, but because of my general experiences around uh, the the requests I got for luxury cars and the renters that I had for the Bentley would, I don't want to do a luxury cars anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm sure that someone out there can have a blast renting uh, the Rolls Royces and the, and the Bentleys, but it's not, the kind of uh, environment, I guess, that, that we really liked. You, you start to notice that cars have clientele. They have mm-hmm. types, right?
0: Oh, yeah. And so yeah.
1: you knew when you had someone calling up that, that wanted the Ferrari, they pretty much fell within a, a particular parameter. And it's the same thing with the Lamborghini and the same thing with the Bentley. Um, and what I, I generally found was the people that really wanted these luxury cars were the ones that least wanted to pay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um they were generally the least caring of the cars, uh, of everyone. They didn't take great care mm-hmm. of the car, you know, when they had it and they were the ones that were most argumentative. And so just kind of as a business decision, I realized like, this isn't worth the, this isn't worth it. Sure. And so I, I, I'll, I'll stick I found with-
0: somewhat the same in car sales, oh, yeah? but yeah, the, the, different story for different day but yeah there are stereotypes i mean for example corvettes can never make any dang money on corvettes because all the buyers are so stinking cheap yeah, Corvette so that people are. yeah they they bring in coupons from the blue plate special <laughs> diner and ask if they're transferable to to a car no um all right we're gonna go back to the phones here we have eric from cleveland his question was uh any is there any premium? I think any price premium on the rental, if we were to use the car on a track day event, or is that a, uh, <laughs> like the military don't ask, don't tell.
1: Uh, no, it's very much that we will find out. And that's not allowed. <laughs> oh
0: yeah. You have GPS,
1: right. Um, and there's some reasons for that. Right. And, and if for total disclosure, closure, we actually, I was uh, talking with auto interests, which is a group mm-hmm. that I've done. Yep. HDPDs with, um, H E P
0: H P M S Yeah,
1: you know, Having fun driving around fast cars on the track. Um, you know, I'm just having a brain fart right now about doing specific I can smell things. <laughs> yes,
0: yeah, three um, tonight.
1: And and here's the deal: why you don't take a rental on the track. Um, one, it's kind of like we we budget and we price on certain wear and tear that you can okay. predict on the road. Like honestly, I expect when you rent out the Lamborghini that you're going to be jamming the gas. And, and riding it hard, because you're going to try that. Mm-hmm. And GPS shows that most drivers will get on the highway, do a really big pull, and then drive like a grandma the rest of the rental. Um, and we can account for that kind of wear and tear. On a track, it's a whole different animal. You're talking about tires, talking about that. And that's just wear and tear in the car if you're actually, like, good, <laughs> and you don't right. wreck it, right? Uh, and therein comes in some of the risk. When you're, when you're on a track, no insurance company, short of a track insurance-specific policy, is going to cover that.
0: So do you have an exclusion in your contract that we they can't absolutely take? absolutely do. Cause I was going to say, you're giving me all the reasons why it's not great for you that somebody takes it on track, but all the reasons why it'd be great for me as a it. Well, well, but yeah, if, if, if I have to cover the damages that yeah. would suck.
1: Here's what's going to happen. And I'll lay this out for, for myself and I'm pretty sure that most any, any major uh, exotic rental company will follow around the same things. Um, you know, one, we're, we're going to notice, right? Because we're getting an alert from the car that, that all hell's breaking loose. And mm-hmm. so we're going to see, we're going to call you and we're going to tell you to shut down, right? And then we're going to take the car back. And we're probably going to assess you additional damages uh, for the extra wear and tear. And this is all in the contract. Like you sign off on this, <laughs> right? Like you agree that you're going to be responsible for all this stuff up and sure. up front, right? But let's just say. But that, what if that- they win? yeah well yeah let's just say that uh you I mean, know what if
0: they win the track day race
1: yeah you could take all that prize money because you know you get prize money right and there's scouts days, right? there yeah and you go pro um let's just say like we we don't catch on right and, you know you you slip one in on us and we just don't look at the gps sure. and you know we lost our phone for the day or something uh and, and you go all around like that um when we get the car back if you've driven on a track day you kind of know, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, yeah. you, you know, it's, it's pretty well, obvious. Well, if you're
0: any good, you would know. That, that's true. And if There's you're... a lot of people that can drive their life on track and you'd never know yeah. from the car.
1: So we're going to tell, and we're going to tell you, hey, <laughs> you know, it's pretty obvious here that what was going on, and we're going to look at the GPS and see what was going on, and you're going to get charged extra. Um, and if the worst happens where you actually do have an accident, like you wreck the car mm-hmm. on the track, um, no insurance is going to save you, Because your butt's going to be in court, and you're going to be having a court order to pay the full value of the car.
0: What uh, if—I mean, I guess this is a question for a company like Haggerty that issues track day policies. What if you went out separately and got a track day policy? I I don't know if they issue it if you don't own the car, but—
1: well, I mean, then you at least would have an insurance policy to cover you so you wouldn't be out the money, but I'm still going to charge you for beating up my car. Sure. But right?
0: you, you, if they came in and said, hey, I'm renting it for track day, I have this policy.
1: Yes. Well, no, Maybe. That, that's the ideal situation, right? If somebody called up and said, hey, I really want to take the car on the track, I'm willing to get a policy show you that policy. I'm willing to pay a premium that we can agree upon sure. for the extra wear and tear on the car, you know, and, and the we policy
0: can, would have to list you as lost payee it, and exactly. all that stuff. Like, yep.
1: We could work those details out and most likely come to an agreement. Like there's a price for everything. Sure. Right. Yeah. yeah you know, and so, speaking
0: of a price for everything, there's, there's uh, if there's an insurance company out there that offers this type of coverage, that would like to sponsor this podcast. There is a price for that. And we could certainly plug you right about now.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, and that just goes through a general principle in the exotic car rental business. It is a kind of custom enterprise, right? Sure. Where we, we advertise and we, we take great pains to go and say, here's what's available. Here's what it costs for the day. Here's how this works. But it really comes down to, you know, what you need. And if you call us up ahead of time, you're, you're transparent with us. You tell us what you want. You tell us what you need. We can work with that and likely come to a deal. Sure. Right. We do that for a lot of people that want to do special weird things with cars. Right. Um, but just don't don't try and get away with it because yeah. you won't, and it's going to be expensive. And that sucks for me. It sucks for you. It's just not worth doing.
0: Right. So uh, the only people you should try to lie to is car dealers, not car rental places. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, uh, again, the call-in number if you'd like to uh, be live on the show is 216 294 Four one two four. I have to actually double check that because I don't remember. Yes, it is. 216-294-4124. If you want to uh, jump ahead of the uh, the questions we have here from, from people on Instagram and, and elsewhere. Uh, we have a guest here, uh, Josh from Twinsburg that wanted to ask a question live. So Josh, if you want to come in and, and ask your question, we have a mic set up here that, uh, that doesn't work, but we're going to pretend it does by asking you to just talk really loudly or maybe you can <laughs> just steal my microphone for a second to ask Mike a question, but, uh, he texted me this question earlier and I, I thought it was good. So, uh, we're just going to have him come over and and ask Mike a question directly. Yes. Do that. Um, just most exotic car owners and supercar owners in general gauge kind of the value of their car based on the mileage they put and the weather they drive it in. How do you calculate the risk? No, wrong word. How do you calculate, I guess, the depreciation for the car? So obviously I can rent the car you charge me a daily value and X amount of cents or dollars per mile. But like, how do you calculate that for the potential resale? If I doubt you're going to have like a 20 year old Lamborghini driving, renting, you're probably going to want to replace it, sell it, um, like that. So how do you yeah. just calculate that yeah. into your price? That's a good question. Mike and I have talked about that too, in terms of where to purchase a car in terms of mileage yeah. and where to sell it. Cause there's kind of the, the ideal, um, uh, the ideal uh, uh, algorithm there or something I don't know it's it's not a science yeah,
1: but well I mean it, it kind of, part of it is part of it is a science and this is where I recommend you get your Excel spreadsheets out everyone gets excited <laughs> about Excel yes right. Because there are a lot of factors, and, you know, and it's funny because I can actually plug Ed Boley in here on one of the early VinWiki's. He talked about how he came up with this formula to calculate like the cost per mile. I think he said he presented it for for a, an undergrad mm-hmm. uh, presentation and got away <laughs> got away with it, a good grade on it. Um, I think he made
0: up a lot of the stuff too.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, it turns out that if you actually get the real numbers behind a lot of what he said and, and add a couple things in. You can pretty accurately calculate the cost per mile of actually operating that car in a rental fleet. Sure. All right. And and it requires a couple of inputs for you to know. Um, One is you really need to be familiar with that particular car and understand what are the maintenance needs that are kind of tied to mileage and just assuming heavy wear, right? Right. Um, And then you you have those figures kind of lined up. Um, Then you talk with someone who knows way more about. Uh, the sale and value of cars than you do, which in my case was Doug, to get an idea of, okay, well, if we get this car at, at, at 20,000 miles and we put 10,000 miles on it in a year, what kind of, you know, depreciation do you usually see in the market? Like what's, what's a $20,000 car or 20,000, 20, mile car compared to a 30,000 compared to a 40,000, you know, 50,000. And when you get up to 40,000 in the exotics, it's like you might, have, it's like a 200,000 mile Corolla equivalent. Right, um,
0: right, yeah.
1: So, and you kind of get understandings of these figures. Um, And so you figure, it's like, okay, if I'm going to run this car over a year, over two years, how much value, how many miles am I going to predict that I'm going to put on it in in that time period? And then you have a, a fixed cost, like the depreciation which you're going to factor in on a per mile basis. You have fixed costs associated with, it's probably going to need, like a Lamborghini, it's probably going to need a clutch after, Mm -hmm. you know, 15,000 miles uh, of rental use. Um, You know, you're going to need to replace brakes at a certain point. Uh, And and those are all fixed costs and you can factor those in. And then you have your operating costs like fuel, um, you know, and and you kind of factor in for, you know, the occasional dings and stuff. Sure. Some of this is best guess before you actually get into it. And you refine that as you actually run the car for a period of time.
0: Amortize yeah. out your cars that are stolen and wrecked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I, I think this this question is applicable to like it's a general business question, right? Because anybody operating heavy equipment, or yeah. I, I mean, let's let's parse it down just just like somebody driving their own semi truck or doing rideshare. A lot of people look at a business as only cash flow. Uh, Or even, you know, renting houses. They say, well, my mortgage payment is 700 and I'm bringing in a thousand in rent. I'm making money or, you know, people that that are, are, are doing lift Uh, Well, my, my payment is, is 400 bucks a month for my car. And here's how much I have in gas. And this is how much I'm bringing in. I'm making money, but they're not properly amortizing out their depreciation and their maintenance and things like that. So that needs to be figured out for. Almost any small business where you're using something that's a, a, a depreciating asset, um, yeah. because that item becomes really a liability. Right,
1: because you, you need to understand after two years, if you, you look at this car and you say, "I've rented this out enough. I made sixty grand on on rentals in this car," but did you really? Because right. then you have to figure, well, I right. got to replace the clutch. Uh, I'm gonna sell the car, and it's gonna be worth less than I bought it for. Then you get into the little factors like the the cost, uh, time, cost of money, where it's like, well, I tied up a hundred thousand dollars in this car for two years, and it depreciated. You know, if I would have just taken my hundred grand and put it in the bank, right? You know, what have I got.
0: Right. Yeah. And, opportunity cost. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a huge, huge right. thing. And,
1: and you know, if you're if you're debt servicing, you know, if you've taken out loans to get these cars, then then you have the the service of the loan as well there's to go in so there's actually a lot of figures that go in there that that you have to appreciate for for all right. of these factors and I think w- when you see people that don't really know what they're doing getting into it aka like pretty much everyone on Toro this is where they they don't know how to do these kinds of numbers right. and I mean I'll tell you 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 can look at it for certain cars because I've done some of this for the cars that we've considered putting in the fleet and you crunch the numbers and it just doesn't work out yeah like what I w- could, what's
0: one car that you wanted to put in the fleet? Because this for you was somewhat of a hobby, right? So you actually did this because you wanted to assemble a fleet of cars that you liked and you wanted to pay for it. And you're business-minded, you're a statistician, you're numbers-minded, so you wanted to to make it work. as a a challenge. Excuse me. So what's one car that you liked that didn't make it into the fleet?
1: Well, I mean, to be honest, I wanted to put a 911 in. That was one of the, like, my cards on paper that I had figured, Scott, before I even came and talked to you, I said, you know, nine eleven. that's going to be a good car to have in the fleet. And when you actually look around and you see like what you could rent a nine eleven 11 for, sure. and then what the costs are associated with it, it just doesn't make sense. It, at least it didn't here, right? Sure. Um, you know, and so that's an easy one. Right. Um,
0: but now you have one. But yeah. you kind of bought that more for yourself. Yeah, than I definitely really did. All right. Back to the phones. Uh, your mother is on the phone. I, I Hi, think Mom. it's your mother. Um, and uh, so we're going to talk to your mother. Uh, maybe it's uh, the mother that, you know, that's in the, the, um, what's that? the vinegar, apple cider vinegar. Yeah. Hi, your mother. Are you your mother or the mother? Are you there? We are having some issues with the phones today. Yeah, we had one good one and two not so good ones. I'm well, guessing
1: it's my mother since you know the silent treatment here.
0: Right, right, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Now, and and do yeah. we
1: know what your mother's ca- ca- uh, question was? Uh,
0: two car solution.
1: Two car solution.
0: Uh, McLaren F1 and another McLaren F1. Yeah, I think and that's we got that solid. question. Okay, cool. Uh, to the switch cars. Um, question of the day uh switch cars is one of our main sponsors uh they are a fantastic high-end car dealership right here in twinsburg ohio uh and this is the switch Cars studio uh <clears throat> the question of the day wins a free t-shirt from our uh incredible collection it could be this one or, or one of uh One of these twos, these twos, flatten the curve or uh, keep your woman but switch cars t-shirts. So they'll get a free t-shirt. And if you want a t-shirt, you can go on shopswitchcars.com, enter the code SWITCHCAST for 10% off your order. So if you want a t-shirt and want to pretend like you had the uh, switch cars question of the day, you can uh, wear it to car shows. And um, anyway... The question of the day is from AJV.m3. What is the most difficult thing about working in the car industry? Is that to me? I guess so. Okay. The I most mean, I can difficult answer it too. thing
1: about working in the car industry. Uh, I mean, you could take that a couple of different ways. One, it's financially crippling. <laughs> <laughs>
0: What, the, gonna... the old joke, how do you make a small fortune in the car business? Yeah, you, you start, you start with, with a big a large one. one. Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, I mean, that's kind of the obvious one. Um, in the car industry, uh, I mean, speaking from the exotic rental part, like what's difficult about a lot of this, I'll be honest, it's pretty high stress, right? Sure. Because every day you're basically giving strangers the keys <laughs> to like hundreds of thousand dollars at the cars. Um, you know, and you're you're constantly having to like Take care of these cars and everything and it's just a lot of uh, stress if you if you're not like in love with cars and you just like love being around cars and and you don't you know you look forward to doing things like taking care of your cars etc it would probably be pretty miserable
0: um well I just um I just figured out that our technical difficulties were user error. I had the calls muted, so um, sorry to everybody. So we got a couple calls uh, lined up, but I I do want to answer that question. I don't even know what the fricking question was. What's the most difficult thing about working in the car? For me, um, it is that cars start to become commodities, and you look at them as numbers. Um, and some of the enjoyment is lost. Uh, yes, you get to experience a whole lot more cars. Um, but yeah, some of the enjoyment is lost because they they become business to you and they become work. Um, and that takes some of the fun away from it. Not all of it, but, um, I I think there's a a balance there.
1: It, 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 and that's, there's a lot of truth to that, you know, in the, in the exotic rental business, it's like, Hey, I get to get all these cool cars, you know, you know, I switch them out and, you know, get all these cool cars, but then it's like these cars are your business assets, right? It's like, you can't love them like you do because you have to keep handing them over to people. Right. And you have to accept that. And there's almost like a don't meet your heroes kind of thing. Sure. Where it's like, you love this car and you love it to death. But then when you get it and you're, you're, it's not just yours, you're like transacting yeah. with it. It really yeah. does. And like, if
0: it's a bad transaction on a car, you love, you come to hate that car. Yeah. That is probably the worst thing about it. Lots of stories that way, but there's a certain blue Lamar, with gray Alcantara 360 Challenge Stradale that I hate because I got screwed over on it, but it's a car I I should have loved forever. Anyway, so back to the calls now that I can actually do this. Uh, Jason from Newark, you're on with Mike and Doug.
1: Do you think there is any profit in, say, renting classic, exotic, or luxury cars? And if so, which models do you think would be the most
0: profitable? Classic luxury cars. That is a good one. Can we include muscle cars in that? Or are you talking yeah, strictly yeah, like European stuff, like a Maserati Mirac?
1: Let's go. Let's go classic too. All right.
0: All right. What do you think, Mike?
1: So, I mean, in the exotic industry, there there is profit to be made. I mean, otherwise you wouldn't have the the major players in the industry that you do. Um, for luxury cars, yes, though, you know, my personal uh statement on that is it's harder. <laughs> Because um, they're always breaking? It, well, that and, and the, the people, I mean, I don't know why.
0: Well, let's, let's not say luxury cars. Let's say, I, I think it's talking like price points. So if we say like classic high-end cars, oh, European you, exotic cars, we'll right. say. Right.
1: Actually, you know, when you talk about not Bentleys and Rolls and mm-hmm. G-Wagons and stuff like that, and you start talking about, you'd be amazed how many calls I get about Tesla Model S's. Hmm. People want to rent Teslas, right? Okay. Um, yeah took me by surprise too but the the kind of um the kind of that i almost wanna say like mid-level luxury where where people want something that's going to treat them really nice but they don't really want to pay for you know british aristocracy kind Mm -hmm. of stuff i think there actually is a pretty decent market there now it's something that you're going to have to actually like get the economies of scale because the problem with renting lower dollar cars is that you're renting them out for lower dollar which means it's harder to absorb your operating costs um for classic cars. Oh, and as far but
0: as it, i would say though you don't have to amortize the depreciation as much because they that's they, true they have right? probably somewhat flatlined in value
1: that is true and, and generally speaking they, they were engineered a little bit smarter in terms of they don't have low riding things that get dinged on every curb and you know uh you know that driver aids and assists and things that so probably makes it a little better and so um what you can look at really is is if you want to know what model would be best. I mean, if I had to pick one right now, I probably would get a Model S, just because, or actually a Model X, the SUV. People love SUVs, right? All right, and that's probably what I would get into that space with. But again, you're going to need to find one that's. But
0: he's talking old stuff,
1: classics. That's classics. the one we haven't talked about now. Classics. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah that's yeah.
1: actually a really interesting market that I've thought about. Did I exc- say
0: classic, and you'd heard electric?
1: No, you said luxury, and we said uh, I said classic
0: luxury, luxury. Classic, classic luxury, luxury. Uh-huh. not classic comma luxury. So let's
1: talk about classics. Which, when I think classics, I'm thinking because people do call and ask for, you know, 1970 sure. Chevelles, um, yeah, like the 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 Tri Fives, you know, the the like iconic. You get these in right. the in Summit Magazine, uh, um, kind of classic cars. I have had people call for that. Now here's here's the interesting proposition for that. One. The cars that you'd have to get would have to be rental quality classic cars. Right. Not numbers matching. Right. You know, anything like that. Which is
0: very easy because that's most classic cars out there.
1: Yeah. Um, Bondo Queens. It it will play an interesting thing on insurance because if you've ever actually driven these classic cars, (laughs) they're not exactly (laughs) the most friendly. Um, uh, The clientele I've found people that typically ask me are the older uh, generation, you know, the boomers. Um, for that, that where you, you're going to struggle in this area is price point
0: Mm -hmm.
1: because maintaining a classic car. uh, Yeah. That that's the one right there. Right. (laughs) Um, there's a lot I I feel like there's a lot of interest. Are they also Corvette owners? Probably, you know, believe it or not, I've had a couple of DeLorean enthusiasts that one of them actually tried to, to offer me a business partnership to rent a fleet of DeLoreans, um,
0: I mean, I feel like I would only ever want to rent a DeLorean. Yeah. I wouldn't want it for more than a day.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't want it. And that day one, would so. be Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe if we had the back to the future special on it, it might run. But but back to your point, your, your question was about classic cars. Um, I think there is a market for classic cars. Um, it's going to be more particular than your typical cars. Uh, you're going to have to worry about some concerns about... You know, um, Modern cars are generally pretty good. If somebody takes a modern car out in the rain, it's, it's likely going to be okay. You know, you're not going to have to worry about too much risk. If you take a 69 anything out in, in adverse weather, right. bad road conditions, you do have some serious concerns, right? right? Sure. Um, and price points the big thing because when people, they like, yeah, I really want to rent a classic car. And you look at it and you're like, okay, well, you know, how, how much do you pay for a, a decent, you know, rentable 1969 Chevy Savelle Chevy Chevelle SS, right? And it's like, okay, well, I'm going to pay a certain amount, which means I've got to rent it for a certain amount. And generally, they want probably $200 lower than that, right?
0: <laughs> right? Yeah. And they just think it's going to be cheap.
1: Now, what this requires a bit of a leap of faith on this because what I have found was um, when people lowball you this uh, on prices in the cars that I have had in the fleet, and I stay firm, like, no, this is the price. They pay the price, right? And I haven't been able to actually say to these people who want to pay $200 a day to rent a classic car. No, it's, it's going to be $500 whatever, right. and see if they actually bite or not. Sure. Um,
0: and that's again a lot of business is trial and error. Yes, I have uh, somebody motioning here. Um, my glass is empty, so it could be filled with brown liquid. I answer questions better. So, <laughs> all right. So yeah. So there, there definitely is a market there, and I think there's a, a, a company up in Painesville that has a few. Um, I actually thought about starting a business called Rent a Stig, and I was going to get like a, a classic muscle car and do weddings, but I was going to like hop it up, resto mod it. And offer um, uh, offer my services as as Stig to go chauffeur them away from their wedding, but do it in a car guy style where I do like a huge smoky burnout. Because right, like the the girl gets to pick everything that happens in the wedding, and the getaway car is like the guy's thing. That's what he gets to do. So I was like, oh yeah, I'll do that, and that'd be fun. I could, you know, I'm sure a lot of guys would go for that. Um, but then I was like, you know what? I don't want to take away all my Saturdays for the rest yeah. of my life and to go does, chauffeur people yeah, around. I,
1: I've been surprised how many people take the Lamborghini as their getaway car. Cause if you've ever been in a Lamborghini, you, you yeah. know, to question, where are you putting that dress right. <laughs> when you get into it? Um, but I, I think there is, a, there is a market
0: worth better exploring than a Viper or something. else will um, catch it on fire.
1: And, and what I, what I will also say on that one, cause you asked about cars specifically, um, convertibles. You know, I can tell you, even in Cleveland, right, where sure. you think, oh, our weather is, like, really shitty most of the year. Uh, convertibles are the way. Yeah. Everybody them And I think especially
0: classic cars. And, yeah. again, for the wedding thing, people want to yeah. be, they want to be seen. They don't, not so much about the car. Um, so, all right. Thanks, Jason, for that question. Um, your mom, again, uh, is, is on the line. Um, I wonder if she's related to your mother. I don't know. I don't know. Hi, your mom again. Oh, I'm muted again. Gosh, darn it. All right. Hello. All right, we're back.
1: I'm going to turn into your grandmother if you keep on muting me there.
0: Uh-oh. Oh, no. I don't know how that's possible. We might have to consult a doctor.
1: I am my own grandpa. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, one of the greatest hillbilly <laughs> songs ever. All right. So what's Hello? your question? Your mom again.
1: Hey, um, two car solutions. What is it?
0: For a rental car fleet or for a personal garage? Garage. Personal garage. Personal garage. Um, unlimited budget and do you live in Cleveland?
1: Unlimited budget? You live anywhere. This is dream of all
0: dreams. Okay. Yeah, that's easy. McLaren F1, Ferrari F50. Like yeah. go.
1: Uh, I think you could, depending on preference, go for an F40 if you wanted to instead
0: of the F50. Again, but that depends when you're born. Yep. Yeah. Uh, there you go. That is, like, that is the line of delineation. F40 versus F50, Countach versus Diablo. There's yep. That is the only thing you need to determine.
1: But uh, wholeheartedly on the F1. like yes. If you have an unlimited budget in any respect and, and you want to get a car, I think the McLaren F1 is probably the, the dead set. And after that... Um, depending on where you're, you're born, you're going to get a Ferrari F40, a Ferrari F50, or an Enzo if you're really young. <laughs> yes. And if, and if you have, yeah. if you're really young and have that kind of unlimited budget, uh, you hit me up. Uh, <laughs> you need an investor. Yeah. <laughs> we'll start a
0: really high-end exotic car rental business. Yeah. rent to Pagani. right. Uh, thanks, Mom, for that uh, question. Stop, uh, stop taking testosterone. It's doing weird things with your voice. Um, so... Um, yeah. Uh we have uh let's see. We have a question from uh this is a really good question. And I get this as well for my business from Sean Walsh OO uh on Instagram. How did you get enough money to get the cars for the rental company? And of course we're all accustomed to uh our buddy Ed, who leveraged himself in college and took out crazy loans <laughs> to to do it, which is certainly not advisable. Um And I'm sure a lot of other people have done that. Um, How did you get the money?
1: Uh, By abstaining from exotic cars (laughs) for (laughs) a period of time. (laughs) Now, if you want the honest truth, because I I mean, I actually was thinking about this kind of concept back in, you know, 07, 08. um, You know, back in in the day, uh, thinking about this stuff. And I thought about debt service. You know, I may have been a, a, a... a young Ed Bullion <laughs> clone <laughs> at some point had, a, had I had maybe less sense. Everybody um,
0: wants to have exotic cars that the bank will just give them, right?
1: Right. Um, you know, how do you get the money for this? Uh, be lucky. I and mean, if I'm going to be pragmatic about it, you know, I could say work hard, right? And there is some truth to that. You know, you, you got to work sure. for it. But you're not going to get the money in the car, like in the car scene, right. most likely, um, because that's just not how that works out. Yeah. And while I will say like 10 years ago, 15 years ago, the idea of doing debt service, like of, of basically leveraging and getting uh, loans for these kinds of cars with the availability of insurance back then because they hadn't figured out how bad of a deal this was quite yet. Um, I don't
0: think the banks had either.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's like that was probably actually pretty manageable. And yeah. I think that's how you see a lot of the real big names in here. They, they managed to get in at the right time and they could, they could leverage sure. assets to kind of expand and all that. And
0: I think Ed got out at the right time, too. Yeah. Because 2008-9 was abysmal for leasing companies and rental companies and all of that. So he did it in high school, college, uh, sold it, and uh, just at the right time, I think.
1: Yeah. no, I mean, that's probably right. And you know, there's a reason I shelved it <laughs> for, right. for such a long time. Right, And part of that was getting the money. Um, you know, I, I was fortunate enough to be in kind of a high earning job for a long time where I could just make a ton of money and and got to the point where I had enough that I could say, Oh, let me just piss away (laughs) a quarter million dollars. And so
0: you piss it away all at once instead of (laughs) gradually over time. Yeah. That, that's the answer Right, is is you live, live like a, a a popper for a a number of years and then you can live like a prince. Yeah.
1: But, but on that, I, I would say like, if you're really earnestly considering like, how do I finance something like this? Um, think about what you really want because there's very few people I think that really want to rent cars. Like it it is a service industry and it comes with a lot of like customers and stuff and and not being able to love your car like you would. Um, I really feel like probably the happier people are the people that like work real hard. They kind of abstain from, you know, they drive their, their older car around for a while, save up money and they buy the car they really want. Right. You know, and I find that they're the generally the happier ones. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like even if you save it's up concept a bunch of,
0: called financial peace. Yeah, right. Some guy, Don Ramsey or something like that on, on the Internet talks about that. But, yeah. Uh, yeah,
1: I mean, that's that's what I would say. Like if you if you have enough. But chances are, if you've accumulated enough money that you could earnestly like just buy a fleet outright like I did, you probably have more sense than I did. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and no, not to. So the, the real answer is you have to have more dollars than cents.
1: Pretty much. Yeah.
0: All right, we're going to Zane in Twinsburg. We love these local calls. Um, Zane, you are on. I think you're not muted. Uh, go ahead. Hello. Hi. So
1: my question to you guys was, uh, which cars have you got in inventory
0: or have rented that you've most wanted to keep, regardless of the loss you'd take? Hmm. Hmm. Hmm, that's a better question than which car do you regret selling because you would have made four X on it. Yeah. <laughs> Cause yeah. that's all about the money. So this is about the car.
1: The car I missed the most is the Ferrari. Yeah. It was a really good car. It was spec'd really well. Um, it was really like, it. it really shocked me. Not only was it a great rental car for the rental fleet, but I actually could see why people like to rent it. It was a really, yeah. really good car to drive. It's a
0: very capable car. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, it was relaxed. Like I could take the family out in it. Um, my wife loved it. Yeah. Um. And it was it was option so nice. Like I can't, you know, when you're dealing with yeah. rental cars, you kind of have to be willing to just accept what you right. can get. Um. And when you find one that actually has like, right, your really had good ceramics
0: options. and stitching and diamond. Yeah,
1: it was. Oh, it was beautiful. That. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. You know, and that's the one where it's like after I sold it, which was. The correct business decision at the time to, to, sh- to change out the inventory. It had the miles. Um, but in hindsight, not even considering the way the market changed, I kind of, I missed the car. <laughs> like yeah. I, I, I really, in hindsight should have just kept it yeah. and said, you know what? I just want to keep this car cause it's really good.
0: Yeah. I, that is a question I struggle with all the time and I, I can't answer that shortly because there's probably 10 of them. Um, Diablo SV, any number of GT3s or RSs that I've had come through. Um, yeah, there's 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 so many good ones. Ferrari three hundred and sixty manual. Uh, I don't know. There's a lot of them. An NSX. There's a lot of NSXs yeah. I should have kept. Um, yeah, but I can't keep them all, and that that is therein lies the problem. Yeah. Is the fact that my answer is like five different cars is why I sold each of those five because it's like. Okay, I can't keep yeah. all of them, and they're all good. and And life is short, so it's it's good to try a lot of things. It, it um, is you know. with relation to cars. I'm not talking about drugs or wives. Um, <laughs> yeah, I
1: had, a, I had a yellow plug C6. for a keep
0: your woman, but switch cars shirt there.
1: Yeah, I had a yellow C6 Z06 that I got rid of for you know practical reasons of so I need space to put other cars, and I regret that still too. Yeah. Like I had a lot of fun with that car.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Zane, for that call. Um, this is our last question, actually. It's from Platinum Carriers LLC. I like this one. Uh, would you consider using other people's cars for your rental fleet? And if so, what would the rate of return be? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, Easy enough. So you don't want to be Turo.
1: No, I really don't. And th- and there's reasons for that. And there's a reason why you shouldn't want to be on the other end of that either. Um, and-, and there's a lot of... I, mean, I hate to say it. There are there are a lot of rental companies that that's how they operate. Is they don't own their fleet. They basically their business model is Toro. They're going to market so that you can rent your car through them, and they basically just take a marketing fee. Um, why that's not good um, for me as a business. You know, on the on the rental side of it, it's not good to not have control of your inventory, <laughs> right? Because it's one more factor you have to right. deal about deal with and worry about where if I'm going to yeah. book your car out, I'm now needing to rely on you to bring it to me or to allow me to pick it up, to make sure that it's clean and ready and maintained. Um, and, and that's a lot of liability that I don't, that I personally don't really like taking on, uh, it would probably be more profitable, but, but really it's, uh, I, I'm, and for me, it's almost an ethical thing of when you allow a company to rent out your exotic car, you are surrendering your control over that car. Right um and you're surrendering it in a, in the worst possible way because not only are are people going to take your car and do things that you would probably never want done to it uh with that car you are taking all the risk right because when i rent out your car um if your car gets totaled or stolen i don't have the note on that right, right? ultimately you're going to be the one that's out the money right. and um it, and i can tell you from a business perspective if i did rent out your car you'd have a contract with me that says, if someone does steal or wreck your car, that's not on me. Right. Right. And so you're going to be a- out of that recourse. And unless you actually go and get the insurance you need, which you probably don't, if you're considering this kind of option, um, it's a real bad situation. And I'd almost swear there's some, there's gotta be some, I think there's videos on VinWiki about some people who have been on that end where they, they have allowed a company to rent out their car and something terrible happened. And they just got, I think it know, was Turo
0: actually. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, But, uh, and so that's, that's something like, like, please, if you, if you have a nice car and you're considering like sending it to Toro or sending out to someone, what if
0: you have an Ed Bolian quality car and you want to rent it out?
1: (laughs) Well, then I think you're already doing your own risk calculations (laughs) there about what you're actually losing. Um, but it is something you really got to be aware of, uh, that, um, you are taking all the risk and you're really not getting a whole lot of return because while you are getting cash in your hand, you got to factor like the wear on your car, the mileages on your car, the 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 things that you're gonna pay for, right? You know that that you have to amortize yep. out yep. of that that check that you're getting. um and then at the end of the day, how much money are you actually netting on this daily right. and it's most likely really not worth it right,
0: yeah, and I think of it uh, uh, people ask me if I want investors into the company. And it, it's kind of the same answer from my end. Um, they're they're not putting their cars at risk, but I don't want to have to manage an investor because I already have to manage the clients. And same thing for you. Your job is difficult enough to manage the renters. You don't want to have to like manage oh, yeah. both people on both ends. And essentially, well, at that point, you're not managing them. You're being managed by the people. who want to rent their cars out and that's the same reason i don't want investors in my business is because i don't want to be managed by those people i have enough of a job trying to take care of my clients and the cars and employees and things like that so yeah yeah
1: i get those those calls all the time about hey we're you know we're a business in columbus or pittsburgh or wherever and we want to partner with you on this stuff and and it comes Hmm. down to it's like at the end of the day I do this for a hobby, Yeah. right? And that's, a, and anyone who's in the industry probably is like, did that guy just say that he does this for a hobby? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I had very specific goals when I set out to do this enterprise. Um, and honestly getting rich was not one of them. Right. <laughs> right. Which is good because um, if it because was, you, you won't, be delusional. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, if you have, I understand the pressures and the desire. I have an exotic car. It has a, You know car payment on it every month and boy would I like getting some of that back right not feeling Mm -hmm. like I'm just draining all this all this money out the window and you think maybe I could just you know let some other people drive this car and I'll get some money back and it'll make me feel a little better right if you're real savvy with it and you actually do the homework and you you work out what you need to get back you know you might actually be okay. You know, if you really understand yeah. what you're getting into.
0: But if you love your car, don't do it. Absolutely don't. Right? <laughs> you have to be okay with anybody and everybody using it. Um, all right. Well, let's uh, go back. Everybody's uh, out here uh, probably to, to give their nominations for uh, the name for our show. So do do we come to any conclusion? No, you're just out here sitting. Podcast and furious. P- the Furious. Podcast and the Furious. That's we got one for podcast and the Furious.
1: What was that last one again?
0: Sick whips, clutch to do about nothing.
1: Yeah, that that, I like that one, and I like um, I know what I got. Yeah, that one, that one really. My
0: favorite for multiple reasons. Yeah, pretty much one reason. My favorite is reasonable and prudent because if you are born, I don't know, like you and I are probably the only ones in this room that will get it. Maybe Dan. Um not because he's old, because he's just a nerd about things like this. Um Montana used to have a speed limit. During the day for cars, it was reasonable and prudent, quote unquote. Um uh, during straight the night it was of, fifty-five. Know, how do you go from reasonable and prudent to fifty five? Straight uh, out of yeah, I okay. just said <laughs> asinine. Yes, I was I was looking up reasonable and prudent today and it was prima. F- facey whatever case. Yeah, yeah that yep. i can't speak <laughs> latin uh so yes um so that was uh that's my pick i guess we'll figure it out we haven't come to any decision are you still going live ethan or you just cancel it no, we're still live. okay all right you, you press some buttons here so i don't know all right okay so we haven't uh, we haven't decided on the name we will decide on the name um i don't know where we're at here okay props and flops the flop of the week is a local shop who will remain unnamed because my Uh, I'm not trying to slam them, but uh, we sent a Corvette C4 over there because the headlights didn't work. Um, It was there for weeks. They called. They wanted to pull out the original dash. They were concerned about it being brittle and, like, breaking uh, because the headlight switch was under the dash. And I said, well, I don't think it's a headlight switch because they go up and down and the parking lights work. Like, did you run through diagnosis? Oh, I'm not sure. We'll check with the tech. Anyway, so it was there for weeks. And they went through all this rigmarole. Thankfully, I stopped him from pulling out the dash. It finally came back. And uh, that leads me to the prop of the week. Our new in-house tech, Will, who's freaking fantastic. Uh, took him about two hours. And he ran through the diagnosis. And he goes, I think something's unplugged. And sure enough, there was literally a plug under the steering column that connected to the headlights that was unplugged. So, he plugged it back in. And now the headlights work. So... Yes, that's awesome. So uh, we're going to try to get our closing music going here. Um, fade in. Nope, wrong song. Hold on. <laughs> this is uh, uh, This is why they don't pay me uh, to do this. Um, what song are we doing here? Anyway, the song actually. Nope, <laughs> this song. This song. Yeah, okay. Our producer's going to fix this in post, so when you listen to the audio, we're just going to fade in right here. So I want to thank my co-host, Mike Nguzeus, for coming on today. If you want to rent an exotic car in Cleveland, you can go to Dream Car Adventures. I um, want to thank my producer, Ethan Huffenagel. Uh, I want to thank our sponsors GT Vault, Boxcast, Switch Cars, and soon Celebrity Machines and Stephen Holm Woodworking. Um, our bumper music is produced by uh, Emily and Ivory. You can find them on Spotify and uh, SoundCloud and all that, where you get music. We have actual CDs, but nobody listens to them anymore. Um, yeah, uh, this episode will be available free saturday friday friday uh in audio format wherever you listen to podcasts again thank you for watching and we'll see you next wednesday at 8 p.m